1 Corinthians chapter 12. How many of you are excited to get into the Word this morning? Right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, get your paper Bible. You know, I'd love, love, I love to hear that sound. You know? love that. It's awesome. Um, if you don't have a paper Bible, use your, use your smartphone, your version app, your whatever app you're using for the Bible. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I love that, that chapter because it, it paints a picture of the church. It paints a picture of what church should be like, what life in God's family should be like. And that's why, why I really felt like we got to go there on this Pentecost morning uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's pray before we open the word. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray right now that your word will transform our lives, will transform our faith family as well, God. Lord, just, just speak to us, God. Show us what you want us to do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's start. Um, so first point I want to give to you before we read is that um, the church, God's family, is a people graced with the Spirit's gift. We're graced with the Spirit's gift. We're, we're given the Spirit's gift, but it's, there's a grace on us that we receive His gift. So, so let's read verse seven, 4 through 7 and then verse 11. Now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. And the word for gift here is the word charismata. Everybody say charismata. Charismata. And oh now I lost my, I'll just go to the paper. But the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And the word for service in the Greek here is diakonia. Okay. And there are varieties of activities, which is the word enagema. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I just love this passage of Scripture. I just love just seeing the Trinity at work here in those few verses. Speaking about, you know, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Speaking about the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Speaking about the Father, God. And, and, and He's the one who gives these gifts to the church as He wills. So it's not because we want to receive a certain gift. It's because He wants to give a certain give, a gift to us. He distributes them as He wills. And those words charismata, the word charismata means, actually means a grace gift. The word charis means grace. So these gifts, they're giving out of, given out of God's grace. They're not given to us because we are so good or because we are so holy or because we do all the right things. No, they're given because God is a God who is gracious. And he gives those to us out of his grace. The word diakonia, you know, this, the words for service, you know, it's, it's, that's where we get the word deacon from. We're, deacons are, are servants. We're all servants of the Lord, right? Jesus even came to serve. So Jesus is the biggest servant of all. He's the biggest diakonos of all. We're called to serve. 
And the word energema, I love that word as well, because that's where we get our word energy from. So there's, there's power in these gifts. And God wants to distribute them to each one as he wills. They're given to each one. Everyone can operate. Everyone who's filled with the Spirit, everyone who, who declared Jesus to be their Lord and their King, can be filled with the Spirit and can operate in these gifts of the Spirit. They're given to each. They're not just given to the people who function on the platform, you know, as gifted as they may be. We thank God for the worship team. We thank God for, you know, those who are speaking. We thank God for, you know, people serving in other capacities. But they're not just for those people. They're for all of us. We can all function in the Spirit's gift, gifts. And they're given to, to us for the common good. They're not given to us so that we could grow personally, so that we can become a better person or something like it. No, they're given to us so that we could actually operate in them to serve one another, to make a difference in the community, to make a difference in our faith family. We receive them so the whole church can benefit from us using them. Then Paul goes on to list... uh, all the gifts that are there. And, and there's quite a few of them here. I'm going to go over them really quickly. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, I wanted this to be a part of the series, but I didn't have time in the series anymore. We have 12 weeks speaking about the Holy Spirit, but still not enough room to speak about this. So I think we're going to extend it till the end of the year. Is that okay? No. Whatever. So, he, so let me list them, right? Just, just for clarity's sake. Wisdom, the gift of wisdom. We need the gift of wisdom. We need the Lord to to give us wisdom from above about certain situations uh, as we make decisions in our life, as we make decisions as a church body as well. The gift of knowledge, which is basically you know something that you can only know because the Holy Spirit told you. Maybe about something that's going on in somebody else's life. Um, And not to to shame them in in any way, but to help them actually get a breakthrough in their lives because there's something that's holding them back from following the Lord completely. And because God gives you this gift of knowledge, you can help them move further in their relationship with the Lord. How about this one? Faith. You're thinking, well, faith, is that really a spiritual gift or is that, you know, the way how we get saved? This is actually, I would call it mountain moving faith, like a a faith that, that works miracles. It's a faith. It's like this, 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 Trust in God at a level that, that, that you can't even imagine. That God can do something miraculous in a certain situation. That's a gift of the Spirit. Gifts of healing. I mean, we believe in a God who heals today and he uses people like you and me to, to, to actually heal people that are sick. And we've seen this happen here in this church. We've seen, we, you see this happen around the world. God is a God who's real, who wants to use his, his kids. He wants to use his children to actually minister healing to other people. The gift of prophecy. How about that one? That is a really important one. And, and, and there's so much written about pro, the prophetic. And there's so much spoken about the prophetic. But there's two aspects to the prophetic. There's the, the, the foretelling part, which is... You, you can kind of see what's coming in the future, but there's also a forth part, which is, here's the word of God, 
and you share the word of God, and it's, it's an in-season word of God, and it makes a difference in the life of that other person because that's exactly the word that they needed for this time, and it changes their life. That is the prophetic as well. I, I thank God for the prophetic in, in the life of this church. You know, um, of course, last year, I mean, it's, we're still in this crazy stuff, right? Corona. Since March last year, I mean, the world is upside down. I can still remember where, you know, we're sitting at the table with our, with our board, board of trustees. And Johan, I think you're back there somewhere. That's Johan. He's part of the board of trustees. Uh, and Petrus. Hi, Petrus. You're watching online. I know you are. And then we got Steve. And Steve now moved back to the States because he, he works for Delta Airlines, the well-known airline um, company. And um, we heard Steve talk about, you know, this virus, this strange virus that just popped up in, in, in China. And it's, it's, it's changing everything over there in, in China. And we're like, you know, what I felt at that moment is like, well, you know, it'll take a while before it gets here. And we're probably going to find a solution before, before it gets here, right? You know, we, we're in the West, right? We, we know an, we have an answer for everything. That's how proud we are. <clears throat> but it did it changed our world. A couple of months in a row, our, our church was closed. We're like, what do we do now? Then thank, thank God we reopened back in, what is it, in July or something last year. But did you know that, that, that more than a year before corona broke out, probably two years before corona, almost two years before corona broke out, God has been dealing with us here locally, but also within our global church family about some changes that the Lord wanted us to make and the way how church was done. You know, we were, at that point, we were still into like, you know, um, the big um, Sunday gathering focused model. Like, it, which is really important, really awesome. I love this. I love moments like this, to gather in the house of the Lord together as God's people like this. But we noticed there was something else the Lord wanted to do. And we listened. We started focusing on the need to actually be the priest of your home. We started focusing on the importance of, you know, Shabbat. Taking a day of rest in our, in our lives and gathering with our families or our friends, close friends. And experiencing the Lord in our, in our home setting. Making sure that the revival fire that we can experience here on a Sunday morning actually is also replicated in our homes and that we actually fan the flames of revival in our home setting. That is why Delft is meeting the way they're meeting. It's also a exponent of what God has been doing in our church family globally because we feel it's so important that we gather around the table, the table of the Lord and have communion and invite the Lord Jesus to, to work in our midst. It's because of the prophetic word that the Lord prepared us for Corona more than one and a half year before it actually hit the world. The prophetic is so important here. And tongues and interpretation of tongues or languages or however you want to refer to it, it's, 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 it's like when a message in tongues, which is a, um, like, a, like a supernatural kind of language that the Holy Spirit can give to us, when that is coupled with translation, interpretation, um, and it's shared with God's people, it becomes a prophetic thing as well. 
So there's something really special and supernatural about that as well. I can't get into depth right now. I've preached about this before, but it is important that we allow the spirit to move in us and, and that each and every one of us who is surrendered to Jesus as our king, we all, we all get to be God's people that are graced with God's gifts. He wants the gifts to operate in all of our lives. Here's a second one that about the people of the spirit. It's a people placed in a spirit-formed family. Let's move on to verse 12. It says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by, or rather with or in, one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the, given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So the church, you see, is a spirit-prompted people. We're, we're supposed to be led by the spirit. If a church is not led by the spirit, you're in the wrong place. It's a social club. We'd rather go to the bridge club around the corner or play tennis. I mean, you love tennis or soccer or whatever. No, there's something special about the church. There's something special about the ecclesia because it's the spirit who is at work in our midst. He is doing some things in our lives. And so we need to be prompted and led and filled with the spirit. Which also means that if we claim to be believers, if we claim to be people who are filled with the spirit, that I, 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 I firmly believe that the spirit in you, in us, will drive us to be a part of a spirit-formed family. When you look at the New Testament, this is really important for us to realize. When you look at the New Testament, there is no such thing as a long ranger Christian. There is no such thing as an isolated from church Christian. Believers were always part of a community or rather a family of believers with God in the midst by way of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit creates the church and if the Holy Spirit creates the church, he leads those that are led by the Spirit to be a part of that church. So when we look at the verses we just read, it's the Holy Spirit who places believers in a family, the body of Christ. And, and also what, I, what, what struck me in this text, and this is something that, that the Lord has been dealing with my heart for quite some time now, the last couple of years, is that there is equality in the church. It speaks about Jews and Gentiles being a part of the body. It speaks about slave people, slaves and free people that are part of the church. They're all made to drink of one spirit. I love it how the different nations of the world and the Jews represent, you know, of course, ancient Israel. And, and, and they're the people that were chosen by the Lord for a special purpose. But not only that, um, also the other nations, which are the Gentiles, and most of us, we come from a Gentile background, right? They're also supposed to be part of that same people. We're all baptized by one spirit into the same body. No matter what nationality you have, no matter what cultural background you have, no matter your social standing in society at the moment, slave or free, of course, 
we officially don't have slavery in the Netherlands, but this is compared with people who are high up in the social uh, ladder and those that are lower on the social ladder. In the church, we're all equal. In the church, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or an ambassador or a king or a queen or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're all the same. We're all equal in the body of Christ. We all relate to one another as brothers and sisters with, yes, with different functions in society, but we're all at the same level. There's equality in the body of Christ. And all these different parts of the body, they, they need one another, even those that are less visible. You know, it, it's wrong thinking that says, like, the pastor is more important because he gets to preach. Or it says the worship team is more important because they get to lead worship. Or those at the door are more important because none of that. Whether you're visible or invisible in the body of Christ, you're all as important. That's why Paul uses the analogy of a body. You know, the ear is important. Because if you don't have ears, you can't hear, right? And you may be an ear. Hearing the word of God. Sharing it with the rest of us. You may be a nose, a real beautiful one. You may be um, a leg. Just imagine the, the body of Christ going around without a leg. It's, it's, like it's hard, right? To move around. And Paul says, we're all parts of that body. And we all have a very important role in the body. So don't think you're more important than the other person or less important than the other person. So here's the point. You cannot say you're filled with the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit and not be a part of the church. You cannot say you're led by the Spirit and be isolated from the church. And yes, I, I fully understand that there's some of you, and you're maybe in this room right now, or maybe you're watching online, and you've experienced deep hurt in churches. Maybe even at this church. All I can say is that if the Spirit is present here, and I really believe He is, how many of you believe that the Holy Spirit is present with us right here? God's Spirit is a Spirit who can also heal the hurt. And, and, and that's, that's going to be one of my prayer points at the end of this message. We're going to be praying that the Lord is going to heal the hurt that you've experienced in churches so that you will move past the hurt and become whole so you can actually help serve others but it always starts from a place of wholeness we got to experience the wholeness for ourselves in our own lives and you know what if you're part of church there's always going to be stuff that's less than perfect why because yes the holy spirit indwells us the, holy, the lord is here but we're all imperfect people right so we're always going to be running into one another. What a great opportunity it is to actually show grace to one another, to actually show the, the, the love that the Holy Spirit pours out of your heart towards one another. And, and if you're brand new here to, to Celebration Church, and you're still thinking, wow, this is the perfect church. I found the perfect church. Just wait a few weeks. We're not perfect. If that is the, the, the pressure that you put on yourself to to think that this is a perfect church and pressure on me and the rest of the leadership team that this is a perfect church. 
we're going to let you down. Because it's not perfect. Yes, the, the Lord is here. His presence is here with us. But we're still human. But because we are human, because we are his imagers, his representatives, we can also allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that the hurt that's there gets healed up. So that we can actually love one another. And we'll get to that at the end of the message. Oh God, I keep moving. The third one about a, the people of the Spirit is that the people of the Spirit are led by Spirit-led leaders. Verses 28 through 30, it says this. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, first teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. So the people of the Spirit are led by people who are also open to the Spirit. And Spirit-led leaders, they use their gifts for the good of others and won't put themselves in the spotlight. This is very important because this is where it often goes wrong in churches where you actually um, see a lot of people get hurt in churches when it becomes a show around the person who is leading. Ephesians 4 verse 11 through 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now here's, here's, here's exactly what you see. So Paul acknowledges here that there is different leadership gifts. There is different functions in the church. But their goal is not to make a show out of their own gifts, out of how important they are and how puffed up they are. No, it's not about them. It's actually about them serving the other people in the church helping them grow in the ministry that God has given to them, to equip the saints for works of ministry. This way, the body of Christ gets built up. We, the Western church, made so many mistakes with this, and it became all a show about the people on the platform. And what's really important is to realize that, the, that leadership in the church is so different than leadership in the world. Because what happens often, and, and it's, there's always this tendency in politics, in, you know, in, in business, and everywhere else, and even in the church, and that's just why we have to guard against this. Leadership in the church, the way it's supposed to be, is very different than the type of leaders who consolidate their power and abuse their authority. Because spirit-led leaders have died to themselves. A worldly leadership is, is different. It, it, it relies on the extraordinary ability of, of superior people. People who have uh, the highest IQ, the people who are the smartest with their words, uh, the people who, are, you know, who know how to, how to get people excited around this, this one vision and stuff. You know, they're the ones who lead nations because they have natural abilities and talents because they're, they're really good at what they're doing. And they can move a nation forward. But there's also a, a big danger in that. If, if you're not, if, as a leader, not led by the Holy Spirit. One of the best leaders in history, Hitler. He was able to, to lead the whole German people into the vision that he had. He ruined a nation. He, 
he was the, the, the cause of millions of people who died. He was an exceptional leader. But this is human leadership. This is the wrong kind of leadership. The leadership that the Holy Spirit gives is opposite. It is never self-seeking. It's never about power. It's never about control and manipulation. It's never about hurting the other person. It's always about blessing the other person. And that is why we, it's so important that, that we keep leadership pure. And, and according to God's purposes and plans. We don't lord it over people like Caesar, the Roman emperor. And leaders who follow the world system with his hierarchies. Who follow the Babylon system. We don't lead by manipulation and control. In fact, the real leader of a church is not me. And in, and in Delft, it's not the core of ours. There's only one leader. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the only leader of this church. So the role as leaders, we're, we're under shepherds. We're, we're stewards, stewards on behalf of him. We lead because he's, he's leading. And we try to hear his voice. We try to be humble uh, so we understand what he's trying to say to us. And we just pass it along to the people. It's never about us. It's always about him. We do what he does. And Jesus said this, but you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you're all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you, and here it comes, shall be your servant, diakonos. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And this is the pattern of leadership in the Christian church. And, and boy, do I wish that this was the type of leadership we would see in national governments. Because it would look totally different in the world. But let's start with us. Let's start with the ecclesia, with the local church. God has given us a responsibility that we lead according to these principles right here. The greatest among you shall be your servant. We lead from a position of Humility. Jesus gave the best example. He, you know, he got on his knees. He washed the disciples' feet. This is only something that the slaves would do in those days. And Jesus decided to do it. Wash his disciples' feet. He gave a graphical illustration of a true humility and true, hum true leadership in the biblical sense of the word would look like. The church. Is a spirit-prompted people, is a spirit-led people, and it has to be led by spirit-led leaders. Otherwise, it just won't work. Paul was a great example. He, he, he fully grasped, I mean, he was one of the best leaders in his day before he found Jesus. You know, he was like, he was leading the charge against the church. He was finding followers of Jesus everywhere and just leading them to prison, even killing them. But Paul, you know, we have the best training in his day. He had the best, you know, he, he went to, you know, he, he would have had his PhD if he lived in our day in religious studies, Hebrew religious studies. But he says, no, no, no. As important as that is, it's not important. He said this, 
And when I, come, when I came to you, he said this to the church in Corinth as well. I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not impossible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He says, well, all the wealth of knowledge that I have, it doesn't measure up to Christ. It's not about me. It's not about how much I know. It's not about how, how influential I am, how, how good of a leader I am. It's only about one person, and his name is Jesus. And allow his power to work in me, through me, to build up the church. To build up his church, God's church, God's family. I want to start to close out. The end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the chapter we've been dealing with. There's this one verse that just it triggers Paul says this but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way it's like Paul didn't you try to make a point how important those gifts were is there anything more important than those gifts of the spirit why do you, why do you almost like ignore what you just said earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I love the, I love language. I don't consider myself like the best in language, but I, I do try to get the, get the full meaning of, of, of the language that is there in the Bible, whether it's Hebrew or, or Greek. In this case, it's Greek. And I, I think here, the, the, what is it, the ESV that I was just reading, the English Standard Version, actually does a fairly good job in, in getting the essence of the words out here. The Dutch HSV doesn't get anywhere close to what is being said here in the Greek. Paul uses the word zelo. How many of you have heard the English word zealous? Yeah? This means you're zealous. You, 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 you're very passionate about something. So Paul says, be, but earnestly desire, zelo the higher gifts. And the word means something like being zealous, being eager to possess, to burn with zeal. I love that. The word zelo, the Greek word, actually imitates the sound of boiling water. At least that's what the Greek thought, Greeks thought it was, but I don't think it does. It sounds like it, but the Greeks did, right? And it's their language. Zelo, I think that's how, I don't know, whatever. But there's this passionate thing there and then Paul says that, and then he goes on. That there's still something better than that. There's still a more excellent way here. So what is the more excellent way? Go to chapter, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you know what chapter 13 is about? Yeah, come. Can't hear you. Love. Love. Right? 
And you, you, you keep hearing about this chapter when you, when you attend weddings or actually prepare for weddings. You know, many times the couple, they ask, well, can you use 1 Corinthians 4 to preach about that? I'm like, yeah, I can, but it's not about love in a marriage situation. Of course, it's important, that kind of love in a marriage setting, but there's some other love you you know, another Greek word that is actually very important too in a marriage. And I'm not going to go into detail there. But the word agape, which is the word that is central in 1 Corinthians 13, is a love that actually, um, how do you say this in English? It cyphers itself weg. It puts itself in the background. It just fully gives itself over for the other person. And that is what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He showed his agape. He demonstrated agape love when Jesus died on the cross because he was willing to give his all for us. He was willing to, willing to give his all for, for not only the Jewish people, for, but for all the nations of the world. Because of his agape love. Love is the more excellent way. We can have all the gifts that... Paul speaks about. We could have the best leadership in place in the church, but if there's no love, it's all useless. Love needs to be at the center of it all. That is another prayer point for in just a moment. That God's going to actually download his love in our hearts. Not just so we could have a fuzzy, warm, fuzzy feeling towards the Father, but towards each other. Right? Because that's where it gets difficult sometimes. <laughs> Just being honest right here. Love. Love is the more excellent way. I love, and I'm going to close out with this. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this. A new commandment I give to you. So in other words, those other I don't know how many hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament, they're not important. How about the Ten Commandments? New commandment I give to you, that you love one another. I'm convinced that if we grab the whole of this truth, if we would really love one another the way God loved us through Jesus, that we wouldn't need the Ten Commandments. We wouldn't need all those other Old Testament laws. We wouldn't need even the laws in our nation today. Because if we love one another, we would always want the best for the other person, right? So there would never be any fights anymore. So this is the perfect love that we need in our hearts. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. So the pattern in which Jesus loved his disciples, we're to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is why... This, I, I really feel like this is the reason why the church in the West has declined. Because we made it all about the spectacle. We made it all about, you know, um, you know all the hierarchies and, the, and the, the, you know, the beautiful buildings and all these other things. And we forgot the most important thing, which is love. Why would anyone want to join a church if there's no love? If we fail to love God, if we fail to love one another, how, you know, why would you want to be part of churches if people hate one another? Nobody would, right? And that is why Paul says there's a more excellent way. Yes, please 
Go after those gifts. Please make sure that all these gifts are at work in your church, in your life, and so on. But you got to make sure that love, the most important thing, dwells among you. Because that way, the people around you will see that I'm with you. That I'm truly your Lord. That I'm truly your King. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's the way how we represent the Father in the world around us. If we love one another, we can only love one another if we experience his love in our own hearts. And when we've experienced his, his love in our hearts and we've, you know, tried this out among each other, even when there's difficulties and opinions that differ and whatever and we really do all we can to love one another, we can actually love the person outside as well. And they will actually see that the God that you serve is real. That you're serious about the things that you're saying because they can actually watch it in how you demonstrate it. Love one another. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I believe the Holy Spirit, like what I said earlier, I believe that there's some healing he wants to bring to some of you. Some of you have been hurt in churches and we don't want to minimize the pain. Maybe you're watching online and you've experienced this yourself. I'm just going to pray right now. If If there's any of you that have experienced this, maybe just place your hand on your own heart and just pray for yourself that the Lord is going to heal the hurt. God, we come to you at this moment. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, who is your personal presence in us and among us. And God, we come to you broken. We come to you with all our needs, with all the hurts that we carry around. And Lord, at this moment, those of us that have actually experienced hurt in the community of believers like this, God, we want to lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. And Jesus, you're you're God who heals. Holy Spirit, you could actually touch us and heal us and take every hurt away from us so that we could be people who are whole, who are restored, who are open to your spirit, who are open for your love. And God, I just declare healing over every person right here who's suffering from this right now. That from now on, they will be fully whole, fully restored. That they would experience your shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything whole. Wholeness, Lord. And God, we pray right now, Lord, that you'd fill us with, our, with your love as well, Father. Fill us up till overflowing, God. God, we, each of us, we need to have a daily dose of your love, God. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon a dry and thirsty land, God, in this place. So, God, some of us, we've, we've been dry, Lord, and we need your spirit to show up right now like rain, like, like spring rain. Wash over us, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with your love, Lord. And God, we pray right now as well, Lord, that... That, that Because this is the right motivation, God. If our hearts are filled with love, we can actually operate in the Holy Spirit's gift without hurting anyone. 
but just to help our brothers and sisters, Lord. And Father, I pray right now that you would deposit your gifts in our hearts, in our lives, in this church, God, so that we can operate in gifts of, prophet, of the prophetic and gifts of healing, Lord, in miracles and in all these other things, Lord, that, that need to happen, Lord, among us. And God, we want you to be real in our midst, Lord. Holy Spirit, we want you to be real in our midst. God, we want to walk as Jesus walked in this world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. God bless you.